As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Well, hello and welcome back everyone to the Built to Last show. I've got the Queen Bee with us today, Miss Kimberly Spencer, Queen Bee in the house. Say hi. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hello, Megan. I'm so excited to have you on. Um, Kim and I have known each other for a few years. I think our first like physical in-person encounter, it was at a Brendan Burchard live event, wasn't it? Physical encounter, yes. But you were a guest on a program that I was a part of back in 2017. And I remembered you and your story because I had literally, I joined that program when I was eight months pregnant with my first son and my husband thought I was a crazy person. (laughs) He's like, why do you feel like you need another coaching program? And I said, because I need a community to guide me from this being an entrepreneur. And at that point, an okay entrepreneur, like I, my business at that point had not had that much success. And into a mompreneur. And I knew that was a transition that I would need a, need support in, whether, you know, no matter what. And I found this, this one program and you spoke on it. And I was like, I like this woman. She's <laughs> awesome. Like she's a mom like me and she gets it. Yeah. You just know when you find your people uh, and you and I just like really hit it off. And then we met each other. I think we like saw each other for the first time. It was 2016 or 2017, I think, like somewhere in that world. And then you and I have just really stayed in touch and have had each other's backs and have supported each other so much over the years, even though you're in Australia and you're so far away, uh, come back to us here in the US. But um, I'm excited for us to dive into this super juicy, epic conversation. So will you take a moment and kind of fill us in on your backstory and uh, introduce us to what you do today? Tell us a little bit about your business and then we'll dive in. Yeah. So I am a high performance coach. I focus on working with visionary leaders in really breaking down their internal stories and their patterns. And I'd like to say like Megan is a business strategist. I'm a subconscious success strategist. Like I will find those patterns that keep repeating. And that is what we dig into as a leader um, and how that pattern shows up in not only your business, but also in your body and your relationships and how it repeats. Cause I, I like to say it's not new level, new devils, it's new level, same devils, just different form. And so sometimes those devils will show up in some other form because that's what happened with me. Um, I grew up in a home with an addict. And so my dad was uh, an alcoholic up until the last four years of his life. And my mom was like the quintessential codependent. And so I grew up learning these stories about myself that I made up based on the experiences that I had growing up. Like I wasn't enough and like I wasn't deserving and that I was broken and damaged and a victim. And I had all these beliefs that, that, and stories that I would tell myself. And so with those stories, it really set me up for the high achiever in me to prove myself that those weren't true. And like I tell all my clients, you don't got to prove it if it's true. 
So I didn't really believe it. So I would achieve success in my life. Like I first started out wanting to be in Hollywood and be a producer and a screenwriter and an actor. And I got my film, my first feature film written, distributed by Lionsgate on Netflix. And I still didn't feel 100% fulfilled. I still didn't feel like it was enough. I, I then, to support myself in my career in Hollywood back then, I also started out teaching Pilates. And even though within a year I became the highest paid, youngest, most fully booked instructor at the studios I was teaching at, I still didn't feel like enough. And so I would have all these, these achievements, but it really didn't, it didn't feel like it landed until I started rewriting my story into one of choice. And that's why I was so grateful because I dropped out of college with two scholarships two weeks before I was supposed to start. And because my dad had found me an acting class, because even though my parents had their their stuff, they still were super supportive of anything that I wanted to do. Like they always believed in me. And so my my parents knew that I was always very entrepreneurial. I watched my parents build a multimillion dollar company, even with, you know, an addict at the helm. So I thought, well, if they can do it in 30 years, what can I do in five? Um, and so they always believed in me. And my dad, I dropped out of college uh, two weeks before I was supposed to start because my dad found me an acting class. And it was in that acting class that I remember going and I was the youngest student there. And the they accepted me. It was where James Franco studied and Ashley Judd and Sean Astin. And I thought, okay, I, I need to be a part of this because it was the first time I saw people actually feeling for real. For years, I had learned how to mask how I felt. I learned how to repress and suppress it. And it turned into a 10-year battle with bulimia because I would shove my feelings down and then they would explode. And so seeing that there, I saw I said, I, just, I don't know what it is, but I have to be a part of it. And for some reason, there's always been something inside of me that has always followed my curiosity. And so when that little voice, when that intuition popped up and said, follow this, do this, I said, okay, great, I'm going to do this. Um, and my acting teacher was the first one to give me this like syllabus of books. And as a straight A student, I was like, I'm going to get all of them. I'm going to read all of them. Um, and the first one was like boxed in this big box. And he said, this was the most important book that you will ever read. So I went to Barnes and Noble. I was super excited. I was like, okay, most important book I'm ever going to read. I'm like, this is going to really transform my career. I'm going to take off in Hollywood. And I had all these, these ideas and I grabbed the book and I was starting to thumb through it. And I was like, what the heck is this? Like, this has nothing to do with Hollywood. I was like, what do habits have to do with Hollywood? And so I, and it was, I've opened to a page and it basically said, like, you can control your emotional state. Like, you have a choice. And I had never learned that. I had always thought that I was at the mercy of reaction and reactivity. And it was like I was reading a book that it, it's like when you hear somebody speaking another language and you're like, I know they're having a conversation. I know they're communicating. I don't know how they're, I don't know that language, but I want to learn it. And that's what I felt when I opened up the seven habits of highly effective people. And I, that was my first personal development book that I ever read. And I started diving into that process. And then through that, while also teaching Pilates, while also in the tail end of my recovery from bulimia, I realized the stories that I was telling myself around my body because I was there teaching people this process of Pilates and I 
I came at it from a fully authentic space of like, I didn't know, I, like I hated exercise before I was an exercise induced asthmatic. I couldn't run a mile to save my life. Um, but I found Pilates and I felt amazing in my body for the first time ever. And so I sold it from that, that place of authenticity and truth. And I was in this leadership position. I didn't realize I was in a leadership position, but I, I was because my clients would look to me for guidance around their physical fitness. And I started to hear these familiar stories of like, oh, well, I don't like my body and I don't like this. And I started to hear these stories and I was like, but you're, you know, really fit and thin. And I realized that it wasn't about whether someone was technically fat or technically thin or whether someone ate technically healthy or they really didn't. What mattered was the stories that they were telling themselves about their body. And so from that, from being a Pilates instructor for 10 years, I had the opportunity. I started my own private studio in Burbank and that did, that did fairly well. I was, I was a solopreneur. I was, I was doing all the things. I had a nice small business because Pilates was never meant to be my main thing. And I didn't quite know what my main thing was going to be because I, once I got my feature film, uh, produced and distributed, I still wasn't a hundred percent fulfilled. And I was like, okay, I was looking for this fulfillment piece. Like, what is this? And it was two weeks after the film got distributed and I got a, I got a text from a friend of mine who had brought her friend and her son. And my friend said, I just want to let you know, my friend told me that your movie transformed this kid's life. And I was like, what? Like, this is a movie where there's a lot of motocross and drugs and sex. And I was like, that film, that changed somebody else, somebody's life. And she's like, yeah, he was following the same path as the main character of trying to fit in, trying to fit in with the cool crowd and started doing drugs, started dealing drugs. He saw where the path led through your story that you showed him on the screen and he changed his life. And I was like, that, that is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to transform people's stories. I just didn't know how. And it was at that moment that I also had an opportunity to come on as a consultant for an e-commerce company that was uh, launching a, a new back stretching device. And I saw this product and I said, I don't just want to be a consultant. I want to be a partner. And I've always been very audacious with my asks when it came to my career. That's how I got the screenplay opportunity. That's how I um, jumped into being a Pilates instructor. I, like when I see something that I want, like I, when it comes to my career, I would jump all in. And I came on as a partner with this e-commerce startup. It was a very powerful learning experience as to the two years of the patterns that I thought I had conquered, the demons that I thought I had conquered, the stories that I thought I had gone through with uh, my body and my relationships that I've, I've like, oh, I handled this. And oh, I, I, I met Spike and, and that worked out. The demons came up for the first time ever in my business and in my career and in my finances. and. Three months before I got married to my husband, um, my business partner told me he wanted to buy me out and I was, I was crushed. And then I had three months of negotiations with lawyers who, when they're not on your side, they don't send you the nicest emails. And every belief that I had feared, every story that I thought I was over, all the enoughness, I, all the stories around my femininity, all the stories around like my sparkly personality, all the stories around my age, they all came up by quote unquote professionals and were thrown in my face against me. And I, I, we signed the buyout agreement three weeks before I got married. We jetted off to Italy on my honeymoon. And on my honeymoon, I was like, what do I do when I get back? I said, 
I love business. I love, I figured out the relationship thing because I met my amazing forever husband. I figured out the body thing. I, I knew that I had like, it all interwove and was a holistic picture. I just didn't know what it was. And I knew I had the interest in writing and the interest in uh, crowns and pageants and all that. And I, after way too many espressos, my husband and I were brainstorming and in our little Airbnb on the coast of Italy. And I said, I leaped off the coach and I said, the, the couch, and I said, crown yourself. And my husband's like, what's that? And I said, that's the name of my company. And he said, awesome. What do you do? I said, I don't know. And I said, but something like Marie Forleo. And so I immediately went into what I call productive procrastination action and into the doing instead of actually into getting clarity on what I was doing. And so I started, you know, I hired a web designer and I hired a logo designer and I got a photo shoot and I got film equipment and I didn't make a sale for the first year and a half in my business. Wow. Because my my self-worth was so low. I didn't believe in myself as a business owner, even though I'd successfully run a Pilates studio, a private Pilates studio. I, my self-worth was so low that I even took a side job teaching Pilates to bring in extra money um, at a chiropractic studio because I didn't feel like my worth was there. And I didn't feel comfortable in selling. And so I had this very fancy, very sparkly, bedazzled turd of a blog that that was my business. And for a year and a half, uh, my mindset got into a very familiar space. It got into the same space that it was when I was bulimic. I was complaining all the time. I was blaming other people. I was blaming myself. And I was telling myself all these stories as to why it had to be hard and it had to be a struggle and and all of those stories that I started to believe because you, the stories that we tell ourselves are the ones we're hearing ourselves repeat every day. And they're the ones we most unconsciously and unintentionally decide upon. And so I immediately, um, within a year and a half, I started to like not like who I was becoming. And it was in that year and a half that I then found out I was pregnant. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> No, no, no. This person, this version of me is not the person who I want to be a mom for my children. I knew that I, it was a mindset thing. I knew I could reprogram it. I knew I needed to fast track it because I had a nine month deadline. And I knew I'd done it before because I did it with from bulimia. I knew the patterns were so similar to my bulimia recovery. I just didn't know how to do it. And so I immediately, I got a coach. I got certified in NLP, timeline therapy and hypnosis, reprogrammed my mindset within the first um, three months. I came back to my job. I got a uh, my first $2,000 client. Um, and from that $2,000 client, I then had the courage to quit my job because I said, if I can get $2,000 in one client, which is what I was making at the chiropractic studio per month, I said, if I can do that with one client, I can do that again. Mm-hmm. And so... I had enough certainty and trust in myself that gave me the courage and the confidence to say, okay, I I actually now have a business. And I started moving from there and growing crown yourself from there and actually having paid products and services, who would have thought like, you know, that's what a business is supposed to have. Right. Oh my gosh. Oh my. Okay. Kim, where do I even start here? This is so incredible. Um, I think what is okay. This is so relatable because whoever is listening to this right now, including me, right. And you too, like we all, every single human being, every listener, we're telling ourselves stories every single day, every single day. 
we're telling ourselves stories. All of us have patterns. What I find so fascinating is that as your life kept moving forward, you kept recognizing that the pattern was the same, whether it had to do with relationship or the bulimia or business or making money or career, it was like always the same pattern over and over again. So with the story piece, (laughs) yeah. So with the story piece, everybody's telling themselves stories every day. How, how do you get to a place where you recognize and you have a level of awareness that the story you're telling yourself is the culprit? I think we like normalize the story that we're always telling ourselves because it's the same story that we've always told ourselves. And we just think, well, that's just the way I am, or that's just the way I was raised, or that's the way I've always done it. And you don't realize that that's the story that's sabotaging you. How do, how do you get to a point where you recognize this story is not getting me to where I want to go, but it's the story that's the problem or it's the pattern that's the problem? How do you get, how do you get there? So the first thing that I did was start questioning. And I started getting surrounding myself with other people. Like when I recovered from bulimia, one of the the key points of my recovery was I I moved uh, out of my parents' house into my own apartment. So I removed myself from an environment where the story was very present, um, that this is just the way that I am. This is just who I am. Um, So that story of my identity. So I shifted into uh, my environment. I also shifted into an environment where every day I was around at least 10 different clients every single day with who were telling themselves different stories. The stories that we have, they are the, the patterns that we, we have adapted to, to learn how to survive. So the story of me being a victim and, and being uh, damaged and me being not enough, like those were all, were all stories that were learned. Those are what I call plagiarized programming. And so I learned those so I, you can unlearn them as well. I didn't know that at the time, but I surround by surrounding myself with 10 different clients, six days a week teaching Pilates, I started to realize that like there were different stories out there that were available to me. Like one of my favorite examples was back when I was like 20 years old, I had two clients. I had one woman who was a partner in a law firm, like one of the biggest law firms in the world. She was had two kids and one on the way. And then I had another woman who had, was fully supported by her ex-husband. Her children were grown adults with their own cars. The the latter was the most stressed out human. I have still to this point ever met in my entire life. Like so stressed about all the different things versus my, my other client who was the the lawyer. She would just like come in happy nine o'clock, at night for her Pilates lesson. And I, I got curious. I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, what did you, did were you always this way? And it turned out her story was very similar to mine. She had grown up with addiction. She had faced all forms of abuse, um, as a child. And, and yet she rewrote her story to one of achievement, to one of joy and to one of purpose. And then this other client, I saw that she didn't really feel like she had a purpose. And so she stayed busy. And so that was a big awareness aha for me of like, oh, this story of me being always busy, is that ultimately true? So the first step to rewriting your story is to just get curious and start looking at other people in other environments and question. Like one of my favorite sayings is if she can do it, I can. Mm-hmm. Like, and I see that with anyone, especially when you feel those tinges or twinges of jealousy or envy, because 
sometimes it, those come up, we're human and, or like, oh, that would be impossible for me. I'm like, no, 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 no. She just has a skill set that she's learned. She has stories that she's living by that are different than the ones that I'm living by. So what is she doing differently? And so I looked at this, the, I heard the thoughts from both parties. I, I heard what they were saying and repeating to themselves. Like from my one client um, who was, uh, felt very purposeless, her story was always of busy, always of I'm so stressed, always of this. My other client who was a lawyer, she would just very like, I would say, so are you going to go back to work? She goes, yeah, I have to finish a couple briefs or grade a few papers by, you know, she said, I'm just going to grab a, a latte, like made it no big deal. And it was just, it wasn't like it was a big thing. And I said, oh, okay. So maybe if I make this like my purpose work, like if I feel like I'm doing purpose work, then I can actually, I, I can make it no big deal. Like if I choose to stay up late and work, then that's great. If I choose to not, that's fine. But I, I realized the power of choice. And I started to, to question the choices that I was making with, especially with food and with my body and question like, what if I made a different choice? And the same was true when I, when I looked at my pattern with my business, I said, what if I made a different choice? What if I made the choice to sell? I'm like, shocker. <laughs> what if I made the choice to actually sell programs and sell a, a, a process? And I looked at what had made me successful before, because we all have some area in our life where we're, where we're at, have some semblance of success. And looking at that, the beliefs, the patterns, the habits that you have around that area of your life, they can translate into any area where you're not feeling like you're thriving. So if you're struggling with being a mom or you're struggling in your marriage, like what are you doing in your business? that's really working vice versa. If you're struggling with your business, but you feel really confident in your body, what are the beliefs and the stories you tell yourself about your body that you maybe need to apply to your business? To give you an example, one, like after my bulimia, I have built up such a massive trust with my body. I remember when I was pregnant with my first son, Declan, um, I had a client who asked me, she's like, she had struggled with weight and she had come to me initially for like for mindset, like weight reprogramming, which I used to do. And she was like, Kim, aren't you scared of like not losing the baby weight? And I remember literally just taking the question. I felt it in my body. I did not feel fear at all. I had no fear, period. Like there was no fear within me. There was no doubt that of course I would lose the baby weight. Like I was just unavailable to have 30 extra pounds on me. I just, it was just an, an energetic, mental, emotional decision. And so I took that belief system and I said, well, okay, I'm very certain trusting of my body. What if I was the same with money? What if I was the same with trusting that money would come and that clients would come? What if I just trusted and had that same level of certainty and trust. And so I started playing with like, anytime I would feel the fear of come up of like, Ooh, it's going to be a low month or, Oh, I don't like my clients are coming to the end of their packages. I wonder if they're going to renew. Like I would immediately say, okay, well, how do I feel about this when I come to my body? And I was like, when it comes to my body, if I gain a little bit of weight, I'm like, of course I'm going to lose it. Like I'll just, you know, check the scale. Okay. I know what to do. I'll just go exercise. I'll, or, or I'll maybe like look at how much, you know, how much sweets I'm eating or if I'm eating extra, more, more bread, 
well, okay, then I'll just decrease that a bit. Same is true with my business. When I looked at the, that strategy, I said, well, I could just look at my finances. Like what, what is the spending that I'm doing? Is there any unnecessary spending that I don't need to be spending on any tech or any, any team members that I actually re- like, or any freelancers that I really don't necessarily need. Um, and I would look at my, my intake of like, well, how could I like exercise more sales? How could I reach out? What other customers could I reach out to? What, who could I, who could I circle back for a referral? Like, and so I would start doing this exercises. They would just be business exercises. They wouldn't be, you know, physical exercises. And I, that's how I built up the trust in both areas. Yeah. It sounds like you got really good at asking yourself quality questions so that the answer you got was leading you to whatever the next step was or moving in the direction that you wanted to go. That's what I'm picking up from what you're saying. So, and I also got really good at not being judgmental about not having the right answer. Yeah. Because especially with both bulimia and what I call financial bulimia, um, that those experiences when I would purge, like purge my credit card and overspend or purge my um, purge, like physically when I was going through actual bulimia recovery, I wouldn't look at it like I failed or I was horrible or anything like that. I would say, okay, well, what brought me to that point? And so I would go back instead of coming at a place of, of it being something from my identity, I would shift it from a place of, I would shift and look at it from a place of strategy of, okay, well, what were the causes that led me up to make this decision that kind of imp- that impacted that versus what are the, versus like, here's an identity story that I'm going to tell about myself and then repeat the judgment. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I really shifted because I allowed myself the process to go through the learning stages. The most uncomfortable one, especially for high achievers who love being right, is the conscious incompetence stage, <laughs> which comes right after the awareness that a pattern that you're doing is not serving you. Yeah. But being in that state of conscious incompetence is like, oh, crap. Like that's when you look for, you know, your environment shifts. That's when you hire a coach. That's when you surround yourself with different people who think differently because that stage is the easiest one to start giving up on. Yeah. So you work with a lot of highly ambitious, high achieving business women, women who are growing their business. I am, I'm wondering if over all the years that you've worked with business clients, do you see like really similar patterns coming up? Or like, do you see like, you know, these are kind of like the top seven patterns that I see coming up in these women, or are there like 60,000 different patterns? I'd love for you to share maybe like some of the top patterns that you're seeing in business women, whether mm-hmm. it's around money or around their worth. Um, but if you could like pinpoint a couple that you think the listeners would like really resonate with, because you just see it all the time. What are some of those common patterns you see? Great question, Megan. I love this. So the first one is the pedestal pattern of putting success up on a pedestal. Putting oh, some and, your- okay. This is so timely, Kim. Sorry to interrupt, but I have had multiple clients. Talk about this too with the pedestal piece. I've had multiple clients just in this week uh, in coaching calls with groups say, I'm real, I've realized I put certain people on a pedestal whether it's like a coach and usually they're talking about like coaches or mentors Mm -hmm. that they put on a pedestal. So you're talking about 
putting success on a pedestal, right? And in an, in conjunction with that, do you see your clients also put like another mentor or a coach or somebody they've idolized on a pedestal? And then that person like falls off the pedestal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been having so many conversations with women about this lately. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I just said, Oh my gosh, so I'm so excited. It's like divine timing. This so is so the good. Pedestal, the pedestal pattern there. Yes, there are the two forms of the pedestal. So one, especially in the, the formative stages of building a business is putting someone else on the pedestal and then they fall off. And that's when we become like the crabs in the bucket. And suddenly there's like, almost like this, like, the, the, the beliefs of, well, what did they do to deserve it? Or the beliefs of like those, those envy beliefs come up. That's, that's part of it. The other pedestal pattern that I've seen is when you've achieved something already, like high achievers who have already had some level of success and they've achieved something and they put their success and something up on a pedestal and their identity is up on a pedestal. And the problem is, is that goes against their success strategy that got them there in the first place. So they have, they, let's say, for example, I had a client very successful in his past career. Like he really was like top in, in Hollywood. Like he was high up there and he wanted to start doing motivational speaking. And I was like, awesome. He didn't want to take himself off that pedestal to become the learner again, to become a beginner again. Like that was the scariest thing because, and I said, the problem is, is that the beginner is, is how you got there. Like that's how you got to that level of success was you took those courageous asks, but because he had put his success on a pedestal, he, it stopped him from taking bigger acts of courage because there was a greater fear by being on a pedestal that he could lose more. Like that the fall would be harder and longer to like, it was a longer ways to get to the ground. Mm -hmm. And so that that's one of them, especially for high achievers who have achieved a lot, maybe in a different industry or in a a corporate career that suddenly they're becoming a, a beginner. And so they're comparing themselves to who they have been because they know they can get there. I've seen this with people's bodies as well especially if your body, like, and I've done this with my own body. Like I had to take my body, like the five time marathon runner off a pedestal and realize I just gave birth to a baby. I'm not doing a a six mile run right now. Yeah. It's going to take some time to build back up to that. And I have to honor my identity at being at a different space. So sometimes we put our old identity of who we have been up on a pedestal and we compare ourselves to who we have been versus who we are now and actually being present with what is present and what is actually in reality. Now, the other part of the pedestal is putting other people up on that pedestal. And the problem is, is with a pedestal, it's a very unstable surface. Like mm-hmm. it is a pedestal. I come from California. Earthquakes happen. Yeah. Like that things get knocked over. And when they get knocked over, there's almost this like, the feeling of schadenfreude of like, well, now they're at my level. And it's kind of like, it's where the ego loves to grab hold to give you the familiar of where you are to justify your story of not going for that, those levels of success that you put the, the mentor, the coach, the person that you admire up on that pedestal. It, it justifies that fear of success because, oh, they got knocked down. 
So maybe I shouldn't go for that goal or go for that dream because it goes to reinforce that egoic belief of the fear of success to keep you small and keep you where you are. Mm -hmm. Another pattern that I've seen is the uh, fear-based trauma pattern. So I work with a lot of clients. I have trauma from my past that I've worked through. And so I've worked with a lot of clients who have had childhood trauma. I am not a psychologist, so I don't deal with trauma in that way. I deal with, we work on the somatics of trauma and working through it using breath work to get, uh, to look at, allow for what comes up and release things from the body by activating the parasympathetic nervous system. Um, and so that's where my 10 year background of Pilates comes in. And the experience though of trauma is what happens is, is that when you have had trauma, maybe like my buyout was uh, something that really shocked me. And so for a year and a half, that's why I was thrown back into the old pattern of the beliefs and the stories of not enoughness and blame and shame and complaining and all that. And when you're in that space, there is the, the fear where you want to move as fast and as far away from it as possible. You want to move as fast. And so this is how, why you'll get people there. Sometimes this will work really well for high achievers. Their fear-based motivation strategy is they will run as fast and as hard and hit the, hit the gas to go as fast away from what they don't want as possible. Problem is, is you can only go so far so fast while looking in the rearview mirror. At some point, you have to turn your vision around and and shift your motivation strategy into being a long-term motivation strategy, which is looking at it from the perspective of faith and vision and purpose. And and so it's from that space that we're able to imagine and dream again. But if we're stuck in this like trauma, fear, fight, flight, freeze response, then we'll constantly keep crashing and self-sabotaging back into that crash. So breaking that pattern is one of the biggest ones that, that, um, that I work on with my clients. And then the third one is boundaries. Oh, I love boundaries. I love boundaries. I like to think of your life as like a kingdom, right? My company is called crown yourself. So like I work in metaphors of, of, palaces and queens all day long. And so your pal, like think of the kingdom of Disneyland and you have your boundaries of who gets to come in and who gets to come out. And when you identify the values that you build your business and the values that you build your life on, when you choose your values intentionally, those are like your kingdom walls. And those are who gets to come in with a ticket and who get to leave. And boundaries are such a huge one when it comes to any aspect of your life or your business because they, they, they are that, that gate. And like, for example, I had one client who we'd worked on boundaries in her, in her business partnerships and she was starting to like really assert herself. She was starting to attract new people who were values aligned to her business, new partners, new customers. Then she started having issues with her son. So the boundary issue just jumped forms. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, I said, what bound, what values is your son clashing with? And she listed off some of her values. And I said, great. Would you ever, if that person, if he wasn't your child, would you ever allow anyone to treat you or speak to you like that after all the work that we've done in, on boundaries and values in your business? And she was like, no. And I said, what would you do if he was just some random stranger? 
given the way that he was treating you. She's like, oh, I would 100% call the police to get him out of my house. And I was like, there's your boundaries. Mm-hmm. There's your values. Mm-hmm. Like you, your values are how you teach people to treat you. We are training people constantly on how to treat us. We are training ourselves constantly every day. Every choice is training and reinforcing into how life gets to be for us. And so when you make those choices consciously and with intention, that shifts the game. And when you hold those boundaries consciously and with intention, then that allows certain people who are not a fit for your kingdom can to go find and create their own. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I see all three of those patterns in the majority of clients who I work with. And I've seen all three in myself. So (laughs) thank you so much for sharing that because I know if you and I are experiencing that, have experienced that, a lot of our clients are, I know that so many of our listeners are probably like, yep, got it, got it, got it. So good. So good. Um, Okay. There's something else I would love for you to talk about. And I was um, looking at your website before we hopped on. And one of the things that you mentioned was this fear that a lot of women, I think in particular have, and I so resonate with this as well. And the way you worded it was like the fear of wholeness, like the fear of being whole. And I'd I'd love to hear like, what do you mean by that? And again, I think so many of us have um, certain fears or certain patterns or certain stories and until we're able to, we're not able to like identify like what it actually is. And so we're just sort of like circling around it all the time. Um, but I know I, I resonate with the fear of wholeness. What does that mean? What is that? How do you, how does somebody identify that? Yeah. So it's, over it's, that? it's very much the, it's the fear of that. You can't, that, that belief that, oh yeah, you can't have it all, or it's too good to be true, or it's too, it's that, it's that fear of just how powerful we are. And so we'll segment Mm -hmm. off parts of ourselves Mm -hmm. and we may, um, this can manifest like this manifested with, with me in relationships where I would, I would show parts of myself to the men that I was dating and, and to my ex and, but I wouldn't show all of myself. I wouldn't allow myself to be completely whole. I wouldn't allow him to, you know, I wouldn't allow them to see the crazy side or the silly side or the really, really ambitious side. Mm-hmm. That one scared a few um, because that I-, I wanted to be loved. So it's really coming from that space of seeking validation and acceptance versus actually truly loving the wholeness that is that is us. Mm-hmm. And so it can manifest as being like a chameleon or as my mom called me, the runaway bride where, you know, in that scene where she adapts her, her, her style of eggs to whatever man she's dating. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can, it can manifest in that way. It can also manifest in the fear of, of it's too good to be true or waiting for that other shoe to the drop to drop. Um, and this is very common with anyone who has grown up in a household where there's been addiction because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, he's sober for right now. When's he not going to be like, is it going to be today? Is it going to like, and there's that fear of 
really accepting and being present and whole in the moment Mm -hmm. and being fully, fully here and allowing yourself to feel fully supported in every single area of your life. Mm -hmm. And I know like you and I don't do mom guilt and that, that perception of, of really like, instead of feeling the guilt, I choose to feel supported. Like I choose to feel so supported by my husband that he is watching our babies right now. Like I feel so supported that he is making uh Declan breakfast so that we can get him off to school. Like I feel so, like I choose to instead feel supported and feel whole in, in the, the environment that I've created instead of allowing, instead of feeling fragmented, instead of feeling like I have to fit this or I have to do this or let me, choose because choosing into feeling guilty and choosing into feeling mom guilt is, is a choice. Yeah. It ultimately is a choice and it's a choice that's backed by a belief system of not enoughness. Mm-hmm. And so if we can look at that belief system and say, no, no, I have more than enough. I have an amazing support team. Like, thank God I have the support team that I have. Thank God I'm able to receive. It comes also back to our ability to receive mm-hmm. and to receive support and to re- to be able to receive being filled wholly, completely as, as who we are. Yeah. And that, that ability to receive, especially with women is, especially with driven women, uh, like m- ambitious women. We got, we got the masculine drive, the ambition in spades. Like yep. we can do that. The ability to receive is the feminine. And for many women who have experienced sexual abuse like me, like that ability, I had to train myself to learn how to receive that support. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes, especially with, with sexual abuse, there has been that it's almost like you're trying to plug in the masculine plugs in and the, the feminine is the, the, the hole in essence, the electrical socket to plug into the electrical socket has to receive the plug. Mm-hmm. Well, if you got a gunked up, cruddy, like electrical socket because of past trauma and past experiences, then it's, you're going to struggle with receiving. And so it, it's constantly like it'll spark, but it won't actually take the current. Mm-hmm. And so to get into that state of of flow, there is a practice and an energy of understanding and learning to be able to sit with the ability to receive. Mm-hmm. And that is, and, and receive the wholeness, receive the support, receive the fact that this is not just you doing, doing, doing. You're also in a co-creation receiving process with the universe, God, source, whatever it is that you want to name that amazing thing that keeps this ball from spinning into the sun. Yeah. Yeah. So you have, you have mentioned the word, uh, choice, making the choice often today, mm-hmm. since we've been chatting, when you have decided like in your own life, your own business to make a like definitive choice, or when you see your clients making a choice and making that decision, what has changed for you on the other side of that choice and how fast do things change once you make the choice? Things change rapidly when you actually make a fully embodied mental, physical, spiritually, emotionally aligned decision. I, I, in my Ted talk, I shared that to decide like the actual word decide means from killing or from cutting down. So it is like a little word warrior that like 
burns the boats of any other possibilities behind you. The problem is, is that most people don't decide. We live in the land of wanting, or it'd be nice if, or I tried, or um, I would like this to happen. So I'd like to have a $50,000 a month, or I, I, it would be nice if I had a million dollar business. But that's not a decision. A decision cuts off the possibility of anything else, not anything else happening aside from what it is that you decide. So a decision takes a lot of courage. And when you make that fully embodied decision, that's when action really aligns. Because we think that when we're in the energy of trying and would like, and we're not actually making a definitive fully embodied decision, then that is when we're, we feel like we're spinning our wheels. We feel like we're overwhelmed. We feel stuck. We feel all those those uncomfortable emotions that keep us keep us stagnant and not actually gaining momentum. Mm-hmm. But when we make that fully embodied decision, it takes courage. It takes leaning into a very solid one hundred percent yes, and then and then moving forward from that. So to give you an example, my husband and I made a very big decision um, back in March of 2020. We decided while vacationing on for three weeks in Australia as a global pandemic broke out that we would choose to live into our vision and live abroad and choose to stay in beautiful Gold Coast, Queensland, Australia, because what better place to build a company called Crown Yourself than in Queensland? Like it just makes sense. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so aligned. Um, and so we made that decision, but I remember having the conversation with my husband because we were making the decision together and we were kind of like just playing with it, just being curious with the option of like, well, what would it be like if we did? And we said, I said, you know, I'm hundred percent. Yes. Like I knew I was like, this actually feels hundred percent aligned. My husband was at about 90%. And I said, if you're not fully at hundred percent, we're going home. Mm. Like this needs to be a decision that we make together at a hundred percent certainty that this is the best decision and choice for our family. So what and got said, him from 90 to a hundred? I gave him the space. It took him. I said, so I said, so if you know, whatever you decide I'm, I'm okay with whether we go home or we stay, but if we stay, you need to be at a hundred. And he said, okay. He said, let me, let me feel it out. And so I gave him the space. He literally took about an hour and he came back and we were having, um, we were having, it was St. Patty's day and we were sitting in an Irish pub and suddenly our song came on like our, our wedding song. And he said, hundred percent, let's stay. Wow. Yeah. Mm, I love that. That's amazing. And that, that was a fully embodied decision and that changed everything. Cause suddenly like we went from being a two income household to being a one income where my business had to fully support us. And that he, cause his business, well, he's a voice actor. And so he had to pivot and adapt his, uh, voiceover studio and his industry was shifting. Now everything voiceover is, is online and it's, they've gotten into a new normal of working from home, but that wasn't the way that it was. So he wasn't getting jobs. And so I, I had to decide to step up as, and being the the breadwinner, like a hundred percent, the breadwinner, not like, you know, two incomes. Yeah. And then I also had to decide like 
to make new choices and decisions in my business on a regular basis because of that. So every decision is a jumping off point as well. Because once you decide, then the only, if you, once you make a fully embodied decision, then there's only the next decision. There's no going back from that decision. Like once I decided that I was losing the baby weight, like there was no going back from that. It was a fully embodied decision of like, yeah, a hundred percent, the baby weight's going to be gone. What happens is you take, once you make a decision, then the aligned actions show up. So then, you know, the aligned action of for after I had my baby, with Declan, I took the aligned action. I said, okay, now I'm feeling like I can get back into working out. And I would be back in that, in that space of working out on a daily basis. When I, we made the fully aligned decision to stay in Australia, I said, okay, now I have the next decision to make of like, what do I sell? How, like building my lead generation? Cause my main lead generation was like live workshops and live events. That wasn't happening in 2020. So I had some, I had to pivot and that Pivoting worked out wonderfully well for us. And I started guesting on other people's podcasts and it worked really amazingly. Yeah. Yeah. I think Um, what a lot of people do, like so many of those decisions you just listed off were really, really big, like very big and significant decisions that directed the course of the life of your family um, collectively and individually, and also the finance, the financial future, your business, everything. And what I think so many people do is they go through all the, but what if, and then Mm. insert the negative, but, but wait, we're leaving our family, but they're not going to be able to come and visit, but you're going to lose your income, but I'm going to have to step over here. And to your point about people not making decisions, I think they just go in so many circles and like, it's like a freaking merry-go-round and every horse is like another, but what if negative? And then they never actually make the aligned decision that would set their soul on fire and like take them to the promised land. This is just so good. What an example you are. Of- I think I think the big thing is, is when you're stuck in that spiral, you just say like, well, but, but what if, yeah, but what is it that you actually want? Yeah. Like, what is it you actually want? If I had said like, but what if about my body? Like, but what if I, you know, don't lose weight? But what if this? Like, then I'm like that, that, that is nothing in line with what I actually want. Yeah. Like instead of going down that, but what if spiral constantly driving back to what is it that you actually want? Yeah. My husband and I have had the vision for nine years now to live abroad, to have our children learn about diversity of culture through experience and not through like a textbook. And we wanted, that has always been the vision. So when, instead of the, but what ifs of like, yeah, we'll lose grandpa, grandma and grandpa. Yeah. Okay. With this it's, there's also an innate trust in your ability to, that you can figure it out. Like, yes, you may not know that next step. Like we didn't, my husband didn't think that we would be staying here for three years. I didn't think we'd be staying here for three years. I thought it'd be like, ah, this be, you know, a few months. I didn't think we'd actually like officially live here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that choice came up. That was the next aligned decision to make when we realized, well, there's no flights going home. So yeah. Well, also I think the other thing to recognize is that you're fine on the other side of it. Like everything is being taken care of on the other side of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a trust in being supported. Yeah. In, in, in the relationship, not just with, um, the thing that you're doing, but in the relationship with you and God, you and source you in the universe that, that you are supported. 
mm-hmm. that your choice, when you choose to make a choice, when you actually make a decision, it will be facts. Like things yeah. will change mm-hmm. that you are stepping into the unknown, but how, how has the known really worked for you? Like if you weren't really liking the known, what it could be better. Yeah. yeah. Like, and so I am really a hundred percent of the belief. Like if, if it's not this, then it's something better. Yeah. And, and allowing for that, that has been the news story that I rewrote for myself of just choosing, okay, if not this, something better. That's yeah. just the way that it's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. So one last question that I have for you, um, because this is um, such a part of your life right now. And I get a lot of questions from business women who have got multiple kids. Like we've got one, I've got 11 year old Brighton. And um, I get a lot of questions from people like, well, I've got two kids or I have three kids or I have four kids. And it's like, it's different for me. So you've got two kids mm-hmm. under five, one is four yeah. and one is how many months? Four months. Okay. You've got a four month old that is probably like on you a better part of the day. And you've got a four-year-old, you've got a spouse, you've got a rock in business. How do you do it? How do you do it as a wife? And you guys have a phenomenal relationship. So you've got like a joyful marriage, you find joy in motherhood, two under four with an infant. And you're also finding so much joy and growth in your business. How do you do it? The infant thing is, is a new one, obviously, because he's you know four months old. But when I started my business, I like my children have always been my rocket fuel. Like I used to be in a comparison state where I would compare myself to like, oh, I would see this woman who was, who started her business at the same year as I did, but she was making more money. And then I would remind myself, oh, I did it. Like I have, I have a child. (laughs) Like, so it's not an excuse. It's also looking at that. I had the belief of, oh, it would be so much easier if I didn't have kids. No, it wouldn't. I wouldn't have done it if I didn't have kids. Like Declan was my rocket fuel for actually shifting my mindset because the, the, the title, the identity of mom scared me more than CEO. Mm. So with, with Colton, with our newest one, he has been like, his name means from the dark times into the light. And I will admit like this year has been one of the hardest, the, mm-hmm. no, the hardest, the hardest year I've ever had. I mm-hmm. lost my dad. We had massive ups and downs in our business. Um, I had a baby <laughs> and I had a Ted talk. I fulfilled a life, like a dream. Um, and navigating and trusting like Colton with birthing Colton, like that was me learning how to trust my body, how to trust in the timing. That's really been the lesson of this, this year has been trusting in the timing because you can use your kids as an an excuse or you can use your kids as your greatest asset. And so with my kids, I look at them and I'm like, you know, maybe with having kids, let's play with the belief system. Let's play with the story that maybe it will take a little longer to hit all of my goals. Maybe let's, we can play with that. But would I be able to really do it and feel fulfilled without them? No. Mm -hmm. 
So it's, and would I be able to do it without my husband? Like my husband has been such an asset. Like he's my, the baby's on me a lot, but he's on him actually a lot more because I'm with my business. And so that's been a shift of like, I built my business with my first son basically on my chest. Colton, my second one is a little more fidgety. Um, and my business is in a different place. I have a team of five that I'm supporting. And so it's in a different space. So I am like the requirements had to shift. Also, the routines had to shift. I had to be okay for the first, I would say, eight weeks. Like I was posting in some mom groups. I was like, mom, I don't have a routine. (laughs) Like my morning routine, I used to like, I lived by, like, I love my morning routine. I wasn't getting a morning routine. Like there was no grounding in that space whatsoever. So I had to find the moments of what worked for me. And I had to be very, very present of allowing to adapt myself to the moment instead of trying to stick into some like defined form of like, this is what it's supposed to be. This is what I need to be. So it's really um, a process of candor. Like just recently, like I, to say this year has been a lot, it's been a lot. Mm -hmm. Like losing my dad was huge still is still like Mm -hmm. really hits me and in that space of grief dealing processing grief processing hormones Mm -hmm. like I realized I needed more support so I reached out to a therapist I reached I told Spike like I need I need an extra support and that it's allowing yourself to receive Mm -hmm. extra support that you may need and allowing yourself to look at it from all angles look at it from the mental stories of what are the what are the stories that you're thinking what are the stories that you're telling yourself what are the emotions that you're feeling on a regular basis are you feeling like fully happy and fulfilled or are you feeling like things could be better are you and and if so in what area what area needs to improve right now and are you like is it a physical thing and so being able to assess constantly and looking at is it a spiritual mental physical or emotional thing because Not every problem that comes up on a daily basis is a physical thing. Not every problem that comes up on a daily basis is an emotional thing. And not every problem I think on a daily basis also is something that you need to go way back into your past and like unpack. I don't think that that's necessary either. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think though that sometimes being able to reach out to get a little extra support is huge. Like I also reached out to get some more support of friends Mm -hmm. because I realized like, I have two little ones under five and I was struggling with the question of like, how do I do it all? Mm-hmm. Four is very different than four with a four-year-old and a four-month-old is very different than just having one. And I've heard that before. I don't buy into be- the belief in the story that it's like double the work. Um, I choose to rewrite that story of like, well, what is the work then that I need to be doing to still achieve my goals and to still be present with my children? Mm -hmm. I don't believe it's an either or. I think Mm -hmm. the universe works as an and. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you allow yourself to rise into the challenge of expanding your capacity of what you're able to, to experience. And so when I recognize I'm at my capacity of being able to experience the feelings of grief, I need some support in being able to process it more. I reached out for support in that. 
when I realized I'm at my capacity for being able to experience my my home and my husband was at, uh, at capacity with being able to do a majority of the cleaning, I was like, we're hiring like housekeeper help. Like we're, mm-hmm. we're hiring somebody to really support us in that because um, we'd had that back home. And I just was like, oh, it's not really an important investment until now. And I was like, nope, that's an important investment. When I realized that my body was physically at the capacity where I could work out, but I also was in the need to receive help and support, I started getting twice weekly massages. Mm -hmm. And that is constantly seeking more and more support people into your network, into your space and allowing yourself to be able to receive that. Because I think the biggest problem with so many high achieving women is especially women when, as we, as we have kids and we expand our capacity is that we think that we need to do it all. And that there, there is that element, that old story again, of having to prove ourselves. Yeah. And that proof being able to, there, there's nothing to prove. Mm-hmm. And so it's allowing yourself to fully embody and allow yourself to be in that identity of who it is that you're creating yourself to be and consciously choosing and intentionally choosing, okay, today I was not at my best self. Why? Well, maybe I didn't, you know, shower. Maybe I didn't do this, or maybe I needed to do this. Maybe if I shifted my morning routine, maybe if I, like I started doing um, yoga in the mornings instead of just doing my high cardio because my sympathetic nervous system was on like overdrive. Mm-hmm. And so I needed to be activating my parasympathetic nervous system. And so I, I shifted that on the physical realm. And so it's constantly allowing yourself to reevaluate and be present with what is it that you need in the moment right now. It's removing yourself off the pedestal of what used to work for you, what you used to do, how you used to perform and looking at what is the present reality in the moment. This is so good, Kim. Oh my gosh. You're so brilliant. You've got such a wellspring of experience and knowledge and depth. Oh my God. This has been so incredible. I know that so many of our listeners are probably like, where do I find you? Um, I know you have a podcast as well. So will you share where we can, where we can find you? You've got a podcast. Tell us about that. Where can people find you on social media, website, all the things. All the things. Well, if you want to come into the crown yourself kingdom, just go to crownyourself.com. And if you've loved this conversation and, and want to have a conversation and want to further it personally, uh, just click on the button that says work with me. And I look forward to having a conversation with you. And if you love podcasts like this, I do have a podcast called The Princess and the Bee on all the bees, babies, business, bank accounts, uh, belief systems, boldness, bodies on becoming the queen of your life so that you can create a body, a business, and a life that just freaking rules. Amazing. Love it. All that's below in the show notes. So go click on those links. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your honesty, your stories, and pouring into us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Megan. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.